A book that made me fall in love with reading was C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It took me to a magical land called Narnia that has stayed with me. And when I, when I read this passage from Hebrews, I think of that book, I think of Narnia, and I think of Edmund. Edmund is the third of the four children in the book. And he is the most pessimistic of the kids. He's the one that the older siblings are always getting on to. And so it, it was easy for me to understand why in the book, when the children end up in Narnia, that Edmund chooses the side opposite his siblings. He sides with the white witch. And the white witch is able to talk, to, to speak to some of Edmund's heart's desires. And... And the white witch convinces Edmund to betray his siblings and their friends. But when the white witch's plan doesn't work out, she comes up with another plan. And she brings up the fact that in Narnia, there's a law that if you betray, you are condemned to death. And so the white witch raises up this law. And Edmund is guilty. And there seems to be no hope. Until Aslan, the true ruler of Narnia, steps in. And he pulls the white witch to the side and they talk. And he convinces her to release Edmund. But it's in the night when Lucy and Susan, Edmund's sisters, follow Aslan and realize what he had done. This ruler, this leader, this, this, this one who had done nothing wrong had willingly offered up his own life for their brother. And the white witch and her side celebrate because they have won. They have gotten to kill the opposition's leader. They celebrate. But in the the light of day, a loud sound fills the air. And when Lucy and Susan go seek it out, they, they realize that the stone table upon which Edmund had been, upon which Edmund was supposed to be sacrificed, but instead Aslan had been sacrificed, that the stone table was broken and Aslan was fully alive. No matter how many times I read this book, I don't like Edmund. He annoys me. And, I mean, he messes up time and time again. He chooses the wrong side. And someone else has to save him. Someone else has to fix his mess. I don't like Edmund. But I've come to realize I don't like Edmund because I see myself in Edmund. 
Because all of us know best our own brokenness. We know our messes. We know the pain that we have caused others. We know the times that others have had to step in to try and fix our mess. We as Christians should know what it's like to be Edmund. But the best news that that this world will ever know is that the one that C.S. Lewis based Aslan off of is one who is alive and one who didn't die and rise again for the sins of one, but one who died and rose again for all of humanity throughout time. In the Old Testament, year after year, the priest would enter the temple and he would go to a stone table, a sacrificial table, and he would offer up an animal sacrifice and say, I'm sorry, God, we blew it again. We sinned, we fell short. Year after year, the priests would go and, and do the same offering, the same routine. And so God decided to do something new. God decided to offer us something. God decided to offer us himself. And so God came into this world in flesh as a baby. As a baby who, whose only protection was in Mary and Joseph's arms. Just as Owen's protection is in Whitney and Joey and their family's arms. He came as an innocent baby who had to learn to walk and learn to talk and to experience life just like us. And he had to grow up. But he didn't just have his parents encouraging him in life and in faith. He had a community. He had a cheering section. Jesus came into this world and he said, I'm not just coming to offer you this experience. I'm also coming to offer you an example of how you were created to live. You weren't created to be broken. You weren't created to run a rat race that this world tells you you were meant to. You were created by the one who called all things into being. You were created, knitted together in your mother's womb by one who has called you precious and holy. I have come, Jesus said, to show you that in the face of brokenness and pain, You are meant to not run away from it, but to go to it. 
offer a listening ear, to offer love, to offer healing, to offer grace, to offer bread and water or a toy for Christmas. Jesus came to show us how we are meant to look at one another, how we are meant to treat one another. And in the face of year after year, those priests taking that same offering to the temple to earn God's favor, to try and earn God's love, Jesus said, I am God's offering for you. It wasn't just the offering of how we were meant to live, but an offering of life. And so Jesus gave his life. As an offering. Because what can wash away our sin? What can make us whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing can for sin atone. Not for good that we have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And in the face of darkness and death and sin, thinking that they had conquered, just as the white witch and her allies had celebrated in the book, God said, my offering is not finished. And God's light broke through. And life consumed death. For God so loved the world. For God so loved each of us. That he gave his only son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but may have everlasting life. Indeed, God did not send his son to condemn us, to point out our sin, but to, but to in him save us. And make us whole and give us life. That is God's offering for us salvation. And Jesus stands in heaven now as our advocate, as our champion. That's what the text from Hebrews says. As one who knows our names and tells God. Reagan is mine. Courtney is mine. That is who our God is. That is who our Savior is. One who claims us and has given us an offering that we we can't really understand. But an offering that is always available. Christ came 
flesh just like us. And he chose to die for the love of each and every one. And Christ is risen, having conquered death, having been victorious, so that when he comes again in final victory, those who choose Jesus as their Savior may live with him. And we know the grace and love that is behind our comprehension. May we claim him as our Savior. May we accept this offering. And may we live our lives so that others know who our Savior is. So that Owen when he grows up, will know who his Savior is and will claim his baptism because y'all have helped pave the way. Will you please pray with me? Lord, how beautiful it is to be your child to be loved by you, to have an offering that we know we don't deserve, but that you give it to us anyway. An offering of yourself, an offering of life, of forgiveness, of grace. Lord, help us to live a life that is worthy. And give us hearts, hearts, ready to show others who our Savior is. Amen.